You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Hey guys, we've got a fun show for you today. We're going to talk to our friend Dave Salvaggio at Speedcore. This guy is, uh, he runs a huge carbon fiber manufacturing facility for the automotive space, but also he very famously built cars for Goldberg and Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans from the Avengers and Kevin Hart. And of course, that whole story about the car that uh, that got damaged uh, at a wreck out here in Malibu. So um, tune in for that. You guys are going to love it. Before we get started, uh, a word from our friends at McGuire. You know, car waxes have come a long way. Last year, Meguiar's introduced their hybrid ceramic wax. Its advanced SiO2 hybrid technology delivers ceramic wax protection and durability. There's no rubbing, curing, or buffing needed. It provides extreme water beating action as well. It's fantastic stuff. This year, Meguiar's has launched their liquid version. It seals the paint for long-lasting protection against the elements, and it's easy to use and applies like a traditional liquid wax. They also have their hybrid ceramic spray detailer, which is great in between uh, the full polish. You can use the spray detailer anytime you want. It removes contaminants like dust, fingerprints, bird droppings. It helps to boost gloss and enhances protection. It's ceramic made easy by Meguiar's. Hello, welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the Motorator D'Andrea, here with Bill Goldberg. And uh, we're welcoming our uh, our good friend Dave Salvaggio from uh, from Speedcore. We've, well, you've heard of Speedcore because that's the fourth word out of Bill's mouth in every sentence. <laughs> every other sentence. <laughs> it, it seems like. Uh, for some the past slack, man. So many months. And uh, I know we've, we've chatted with you before, uh, Dave, but it's been a minute, so I, I want to... Uh, uh, we want to just invite you back on the show, get some updates on the projects you're doing with Bill, and also sort of a, talk a little bit more about about the company and how you guys sort of came to be. Um, before we get started, just a reminder from our friends at Dodge, it's time for Dodge Power Dollars. That means for each horsepower, you get $10 off your purchase on every Dodge Charger, Challenger, Durango, and more. So come on in for Dodge Power Dollars today for a pretty sweet deal. Uh, all right, so Speedcore, um, we're going to just go ahead and, and jump into this. Uh, awesome. S- Speedcore is, I guess in my world, uh, and most of us, we're, you're sort of f- famous for two things, for some of the cool builds, these incredible cars that you guys have built, but also the carbon fiber parts. And I just kind of want to get a clear idea of what is the core business? Is it making carbon fiber parts or is it building cars? Because I, I don't know, like in my head, I, I I think I've seen the parts before I saw the cars. And I was like, oh, these, you know, I don't know, which, which, what's happening first? What's the core business? <laughs> one, one's kind of a passion and one kind of pays the bills, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, which uh, is which? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So, but what's cool, like, so when we formed Speedcore about five years ago, we're like, hey, let's let's not build a hot rod shop. Let's not build something that's more of a garage. Let's make a performance group. And then from that group, we can do whatever we want. You know, we're not like in the corner where you're like, hey, we only do chassis or hey, we only do these parts. We're like, let's do everything. And then let's just figure out what we do well. So that's why, you know, everybody has the passion for cars. But then to take a medium like carbon fiber and use technology and innovation and then create that, you know, work of art, it's great. You infuse the two together. And then while you're building like a carbon fiber charger or CUDA or whatever, same time, you know, you're making carbon fiber hoods for a demon or, you know, Goldberg's cars or Corvettes or whatever. So it's I think it's nice. You know, the two work together well and you're still using craftsmen and artisans. And it's a it's an area that no one else has really gotten into as far as carbon fiber is concerned, you know, from other build shops. So, the, so the the business started as as what you guys sat down and said, "Hey, I feel like there's a need for premium quality, high quality carbon fiber pieces in the automotive space." Or do you guys do stuff beyond the automotive space that maybe we don't necessarily get across our desk, right? Yeah, we do some marine and uh, aviation as well. But what was interesting, it, it, it was the need that pushed carbon fiber. So before Speedcore, uh, I had a shop for 15 years, 
Savaggio Auto Design, and I would build stuff and you'd hire artisans to hang metal panels and make all this stuff. But the problem is two things. It's very labor intensive because think about how much labor it takes to make, you know, an engine bay out of a flat piece of metal, you know, with an artisan. And then the other thing is you can't find the talent today because everybody that's going to school, high school, college or whatever, no one's getting into the skilled trades. So now you can't find people. It's extremely expensive. And you're like, man, it's just it's not a scalable model for success. So as we started evolving as a company, I'm like, hey, I want to do carbon fiber and I want to machine everything mm-hmm. instead of having people and artisans, you know, make it out of metal. So uh, we got a group of guys that were already somewhat skilled in carbon. They were great artisans. And um, my partner, Jim Kazmarek, we were able to buy autoclave and all this expensive machinery uh, to make the carbon. And then we decided, hey, let's take this to the next level and just really look at engineering and systems and then building amazing light cars that require zero bondo. You know, they don't dent, they don't rust. And it's just the next level you know in engineering i mean look at f1 you know everything's carbon fiber on f1 right bring on that is you know far superior to anything else in the automotive sports well let's talk about f1 for just a quick second uh explain to me sort of the difference between let's say the flashy kind of carbon fiber that we see around the sema show and a lot of cars versus what f1 or someone like that is using um they're they're obviously doing it for a, a slightly different reason. Similar, there's some crossover, but they're they've got hundreds of millions of dollars. They have a budget. There's 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 a purpose for for carbon fiber. We're getting back to it's you know. By the way, in the aerospace uh, world, right? Like they're not really using carbon fiber because it looks awesome. You know, unless you're sammy hagar and his private jets got his carbon fiber bulkheads and everything it is in his jet and he's got polished carbon fiber in there so he so you can see a little bit of of what's going on but uh there it's all about strength it's about lightweight i don't know it's about uh a, a number of things but wh- where do you guys fit in because you said you're working in a couple of different industries yeah so it's funny it's kind of like aluminum you know over time, you know, racing in the 20s and 30s and things like that, um, people went to magnesium and aluminum yeah. for the purpose of making the car lighter or the machinability of it. And all of a sudden, it became a design aesthetic, right? Because all of a sudden, next thing you know, you got brushed aluminum and everybody had aluminum grills and valve covers. And then you had magnesium wheels. And that's where the term mags came from, you know, on wheels. Mm-hmm. And it didn't start, you know, just because of the look. It just turned into the look because you were using it for, you know, those purposes. So the same thing's true with carbon and how we kind of got into it. We wanted a repeatable system, but also we wanted to make it lighter. We wanted to make it strong and that fit all those factors. But while you're making it lighter, repeatable and strong, you have the look and the aesthetic of it. So, you know, nothing looks more beautiful than having like an exposed weave hood. You've seen it on the Porsches. I think mm-hmm. the 911s are using it, you know, which is a yeah. huge upgrade. Ferrari's been using it for years. Lamborghini's using forged carbon. It kind of looks like marble. You might have seen that. Yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting look, but we've we've driven a few of them. Yeah, and all that designs the aesthetic part uh, or drives that, and uh, we like to take advantage of all of it. You know, so like if I'm going to make a charger and I have a mold, I can make as many charger fenders, hoods, quarter panels, whatever in a day. You know, but if you had to recreate that out of metal and make perfect gaps, that's just going to take hours or days or, you know, months even, depending on what the project is. So we, we do approach it from, you know, strength, which is great. There's mm-hmm. engineering behind it, um, but actually just the cost savings and just giving the customer something different too. Okay. I, I, I want to talk a little bit about sort of the early days, for lack of a better term, the early days of mass-produced carbon fiber. Um, yeah. One of the things that came out uh, that was pretty interesting was the Corvette ZR1 with the carbon fiber top. And it was all about how are they getting rid of the yellowing effect, that sun damage effect that every cheap carbon fiber hood on a Honda Civic was running into. Uh, how are they getting into that? And actually, at, at one point, our friends at, at, at HRE Wheels were, were doing a carbon fiber 
wheel. They were doing a, you know, they were machining a center section, doing a carbon fiber barrel, if you will, because that's the outside of the weight. That's where you want the, the, the least amount of weight. And when I spoke to them, they said they had to use a resin with like a little bit of a tint in it. And to give it a little bit darker effect to sort of counteract that. And and GM said, hey, we're spending a fortune, you know, developing this clear coat process to guarantee it won't ever fade and, and it won't yellow and it'll stay polished. And and um, but I don't know, this doesn't seem to come up as much anymore. So where are we on on the long term visual effects of carbon fiber? Yeah, so great question. So there's three different types of carbon fiber. Uh, I mean, there's more, but I'm just going to talk about the main three. There's the wet layup version, and that's what you've kind of seen, you know, on the Honda Civic's hood. And mm-hmm. basically, it'll go out in the sun and it'll bow because of the shocks are putting pressure on it or it turns yellow. And you kind of look at the weave and it looks like psychedelic because the weave is there and it looks cool, but it's not really aligned and it's not flashing. So that's like a wet layup process. Um, there's also an effusion process where you're going to drag uh, through a vacuum pump all of the resin through a mold, and then it's but it's very heavy and it's very thick, and uh, the problem is it's not very strong. So a lot of car builders are starting to do stuff like that because it's cheap. You don't need an autoclave. But now, what you want to do is use something called prepreg. So that's pre-woven carbon fiber, and it already has impregnated epoxy. And it comes to you frozen in a roll. So you have this plotter, kind of like something you would see cutting out a graphic, uh, you know, a vinyl graphic. Yeah. You take that and you have a mold and you you lay it up so uh, all the weave matches and all the orientation is perfect. Then you're going to put it into an autoclave. So autoclave is like a vessel with pressure. So to give you an example, our autoclave has like almost an eight foot door, might be a little bit bigger. And it's like 15 feet deep. So you put a panel in yeah, there, like a hood, for example, an average hood is probably like 50 by 65. And you're going to put 90 pounds of pressure per square inch in there. So you're essentially putting 276,000 pounds of pressure on a hood, in a mold, in an autoclave, in a bag that puts another 15 pounds of pressure per square inch. <laughs> and then you get this wicked hood where all the weave lines up and it's ultra thin, but it's super strong. And then now you're like, okay, how do I keep this thing from yellowing? And the answer is, you really don't. All carbon fiber is going to yellow. So it's about the UV protection you're going to put over the top. So that UV protection is in the clear coat or the urethane. And it's something called HALS. And what the HALS does is absorbs light. It absorbs UV. So that UV then gets dispersed through there. And the HALS in the clear coat absorb it. And now the companies like BASF and all that, have a ton of HALs in the clear coat that keeps it from yellowing. And that's how you get premium carbon. But that's very expensive. And that's why, you know, the guys with the Civics, you know, are going to buy the cheap hoods. Mm-hmm. The guys who are going to buy something else. And the Porsche and Italian crowd or whatever are going to buy, you know, the prepreg stuff. The, the autoclave is heated as well. It's, it's a big oven and it's pressurized. I guess this is sort of the difference between... I don't know, the, the, the powder coating process versus the, the carbon fiber, the autoclave process, right? The, yeah. the ovens you use for powder coating, I always thought very similar to what you'd be doing with, uh, with, with carbon fiber, but the pressure makes all the difference in the world. Um, I'll be back in a second. Uh, there was about a seven-foot rattlesnake that just went across my driveway. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to get him, Bill? What are you doing? He's going to wear it around his neck when he comes back. <laughs> He's going to be coming back. Um, but what's funny is, like, you can go to shows, even like the earlier Bugattis, you could yeah. see, like, how poor the carbon fiber at the at today's standard looks. But back then, I mean, it was cutting edge, right? I mean, it was amazing. Everybody's like, holy cow, carbon fiber. And it was just off the hook. And, you know, even Corvettes, like you talked about the roofs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they were amazing. And what they would do is add like a little bit of a red pigment. And then so just like a prism, right? You're going to put light through a prism. And that prism, you add a little bit of red, that's going to diffuse that light. And then you're going to have a house, which is absorption. And then that's going to absorb the UV. And that's why when you look at Corvette stuff, it's got that little bit of a pinkish hue to it. Now, have have I assume that the... The finishing companies, the 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 BAFs, 
SFs and the DuPonts of the world have have stepped up their game in this, you know, as well, working, I don't know, with companies like you and all these industries and saying, hey, we're starting to develop great clear coats. We can do it in satin. We can do it polish. And, and this is specifically for carbon fiber, but also you can put it on paint because if you want to do the combination, um, yeah. uh, Bill stepped away. But um, at uh, at SEMA this past year, outside um, by the Ford uh, Ford out front area, my my Ford Lightning was there parked next to his black uh, Dodge uh, Challenger with the carbon fiber uh, bits on it that you guys did, the carbon fiber wide body. And I love that you did this beautiful combination uh, on the fenders, I think, just sort of uh, uh, doing sort of a stripe effect to keep the car black but show some exposed carbon, but but very smooth and seamless over the whole thing. Now, do you end up just clear coating the whole thing a, a with a certain type, or is it the same that's on paint now? Uh, so they have a couple models, BSF especially. They have pretty good UV in all their paint, but they have some that's better than others. Um, so that's what we kind of try, try to stride for. So you're going to get like three to five years typically out of the clear coat before it starts to break down with this house, with this UV. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, cars like Bill's, easy usually keeps in a garage or Ferraris, you know, all of a sudden you've got a splitter or spoiler. You know, most guys are keeping those garage kept and they're only putting, what, 1,000 miles a year at best or whatever. So it's, right. it's funny because, you know, the OEs, for example, they want to get into more carbon fiber. And um, you've seen it on the Corvettes today, you know, with yeah. the splitter, lockers, and spoilers. And it's all great, but um, there's just still a science behind it that they're trying to catch up to on cost and then to make sure you're exceeding that five-year window before you see any degradation. Does it does it help to to maintain the carbon fiber as if it was paint? If you're constantly waxing it or or just you know doing that that maintenance process, that clean and you know polish process, does that change the longevity of it as well? It does to a point, um, but you know UV like a graphic, like a vinyl graphic. Yeah, UV eventually going to break it down. Yeah. So. The carbon, you know, will last. So you add a pigment um, and you add the clear coat. And as long as maybe um, that clear coat was put on with the right amount of mills, you should, I mean, you'll get the life of the car out of it, which is great. You know, I look at the guys like just that hood on the 911 Porsche, mm-hmm. that hood, if you want the dealer, that's 20 grand. And the last thing you want is that thing to turn yellow. You right. Know what I'm saying? Right. So uh, also that clear film, you know, the the, the paint uh, production film. Yeah. Yeah. That helps as well because that's going to diffuse the light. Oh, it does. Okay. That's pretty interesting. And uh, what about, uh, I'm not sure how much you know about this, but what about ceramic coating? Everyone's doing this ceramic coating on their cars now, and uh, it's offering some amount of of, of additional protection or water beating or whatever. Um, I'm actually not familiar with the process after, like, do you ceramic coat a car and then still wax it once or twice a year or whatever you want? Or, or does that ruin the ceramic coat or do you just leave the ceramic coat on it and, and don't touch it anymore? And I'm sure they sell it one way, but then, you know, it's like everything else. It's like, Hey, you know, you could, you could, uh, uh, you know, take this diet pill. You never have to work out again. And we're like, yeah, I don't know if that's gonna, I don't know if that's gonna do anything for you. Uh, you know, but uh, what's, what's your feeling on ceramic coating? Ceramic coating is great. Um, definitely 10 times harder than paint. So scratch resistant to a point, you know, everything scratches. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's great for locking everything in and keeping the impurities out. And what I tell most guys, especially on the front of a car, you still want to do the clear bra, but yeah. then you actually want to coat over that, not under it. And then that's going to give you more protection. So um, I'm a huge supporter in it. I'm a supporter in carbon fiber. Um, putting the ceramic coat over that, and of course the PPF uh, film as well. So, but yeah, that's those are great things. Especially, I mean, I know what it's like in LA, and you guys have pebbles and everything in the roads, and in Wisconsin here too. It's the same deal, you know. I mean, all those rock chips, all that stuff. Yeah. In uh, the PPF and the ceramic coat, it's just it's good, especially if you have a performance car or a classic or something you love. Right. So if you're, it's interesting because I've seen people do quite a bit of that on their high-end cars as well, mostly because 
you know, it's just a way to do something to the car, and everybody loves kind of doing something to the car. But uh, you do the ceramic coat, you do the paint protection film on your new Ferrari that you're going to drive a thousand miles a year. I mean, I don't know. Feels like you could probably just do the ceramic coat, not too worry what. Not worry too much about the paint production film unless you're going to hit the track and do some track days and stuff. Um, then I can see having the the added benefit of of doing it. Um, I don't know. Like we 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 always kind of play around with the idea of doing it on some of the race cars here. We have this the you know Adam Krola's collection of racing cars, and um, uh, you know everything. Nothing actually gets like washed like traditionally there's you know there's there's no side windows it's a net and everything's you know body pieces are on and off and this and that so everything just sort of gets constantly wiped down even after every session on the track you just, all the bugs got to come off the rubber's got to come off you know because also people are coming by and taking pictures of the car so you're constantly uh uh doing that kind of stuff so um I don't know. It's kind of an interesting uh, thought on the, on the ceramic versus paint protection film, or both, especially in the carbon fiber world. How'd you do, Bill? Did you get did you get get your snake figured out? I can't hear you now. I'm not sure if the the Bluetooth stopped connecting. What did I what did I miss? Uh, we were talking about um, ceramic coatings on cars and applying it to the the the. Carbon fiber pieces carbon as fiber. well. We used your car as an example. Big fan. You know, the black uh, car that you have that has the black paint and then the exposed carbon and it's clear coated yep. over the whole thing. Does ceramic coating help that? Yes. Does the clear paint protection film help that? Yes. Uh, and basically anything you can put on top of that clear coat will effectively reduce the amount of time uh, before it starts to, you know, it'll it'll extend the time uh, before it starts to yellow. So that's kind of what we were getting into. Well, that and you not to mention, if you ever get the chance to wash the darn thing, it's a hell of a lot easier. It is a lot easier. Literally slides well, off. Of it. I, I, that was I mean, our let's be honest. That was our point. Is 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 the collection of racing cars? We never actually wash it like with a hose, you know, because yeah. I, I mean, there's no. You have a window net. There's no. There's no drip rails. There's no like so everything. Just sort of gets wiped down constantly. You know, it's never really everything's spray detailer and polish and. And yeah. and whatnot. What we try to do is is it's kind of funny. Is is like somebody will reach out to us, uh, friends around the area, the Peterson Museum, or guys at Galpin Auto Sports or something, and they'll say, "Hey, uh, we're doing a display at LA Auto Show, and uh, we're going to do this Porsche display. Or can we borrow this car or that car?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, just detail it for us." <laughs> and so we exactly. lend them the car, and the guys are out there buffing it, do the whole thing. They bring it back; it looks fantastic, and we get a nice. <laughs> $1,500 detail job on the cars, uh, which is not easy to do because they all have graphics on them. And it's not just a wrap. Like, they all have tons of, of the graphics for the sponsors and all that stuff. So these guys are detailing it and then just, like, I don't know, with, like, a fingernail or a toothpick getting all the wax around the stickers. And they're like, I was like, how yeah. Dare you, how <laughs> dare you give away our secret? <laughs> <laughs> just uh, loan the cars out to get, uh, to get detail. To bring just to get back, the detail. To get the detail yeah. stuff. Uh, uh, some of the new products that you guys are working on, uh, doing a lot on the C8 Corvette. Uh, I assume you've had one or many in the shop over there. Uh, first yeah, of all, can... what are your thoughts on C8 Corvette? And then tell us some of the things you guys are doing to it. You know, uh, I like the car a lot. Um, my partner, Jim, he's, he just got a new one and he's got another one on the way, but man, what a, it's a lot of car for the money, right? Yeah. I don't know what your thoughts are, but man, Corvette has always been a great car, but just for the dollar amount, I mean, it's, it's a great value, you know, and the resale and everything is great, but the styling on the C8, uh, looks great, you know? A little more European, and uh, what was interesting about the car is uh, I think they were going to do twenty or thirty thousand units or something this year, and then obviously with COVID, you know, it was reduced, and yeah. I think a lot of the twenty twenties turned into twenty twenty ones, which is fine. But a lot of people wanted the carbon fiber for it, which was the uh, rockers and the splitter, and um, I think what happens, and it's we're going to see it more in the future is everybody's trying to get in the carbon fiber game and there's not enough shops around to keep up. So whoever they're, uh, they were outsourcing their carbon to maybe couldn't keep up. They only did so many sets. So we just jumped in the ring, started offering carbon fiber for the C8, which was great. Uh, customers love it. Um, it's easy to put on. 
So and it's a nice uh, design aesthetic that goes with the car. And uh, I mean, literally, it's it goes on like any other OEM piece. So but what's interesting is, you know, in the future, you're going to see this. Uh, like, let's just say like the Mustang's going to have, you know, a carbon fiber spoiler. You know, there's not enough shops out there, qualified shops that are going to be you know, approved by the big three to be able to make all these parts. You know, they're going to make however many Mustangs and you're going to tell a shop, all right, I need 20,000 spoilers for this <laughs> Mustang or whatever. And people just can't keep up. So you're going to have to start looking at innovation, you know, yeah. forging carbon fiber or having other systems, you know what I mean, to build all this. And then, um, you know, in the future, look at it. It's like how, how much longer is going to be before everything starts turning electric, right? Right. So... They got amazing battery technology. They got a, amazing electric motors. You're getting tons of power out of it. I mean, I don't know if I ever see Bill driving a Tesla, but I mean, they're getting crazy power out of it. So now you're going to be like, all right, how do I get the range of this car? You know, and it's going to be make it lighter, right? So you're going to start making monocoque chassis out of carbon. You're going to do all the body panels. You're going to uh, reduce the drag and this thing's going to be super light because now you're going to have a longer range on the electric cars you, know, you got rivion the trucks you yeah. got tesla you got everybody else jumping in the ring and it's just only a matter of time before you know that's going to become the norm and uh you know combustion thousand horsepower engines you know is going to be like having a manual transmission you know some of the cars are going to be out there that have them and very few people are going to know how to drive them you know but yeah for me and you know i'm I'm heavy into the combustion stuff yet. And I think you are too, Bill. I mean, what we're doing your charger now and Mario at gearheads, you know, what are we at horsepower? I don't know if you disclosed it or not, but yeah, uh, it's 15. I, I, you know, it has to be more than the has to be at least one more horsepower than the initial one you guys did. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's 15 at the wheels. So. <laughs> like I said, <laughs> we're on our way there. Hey, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, uh, we we talked to Mario uh, a couple of weeks ago about that, and he was uh, a little frantic and having a good time over there. And uh, the shop's busy, and and yeah, he's he's on his way to fifteen hundred horsepower, I guess, uh, with that thing. So, uh, and let's talk a little bit about that. So he's going to be done with that. Um, I'm not sure the exact schedule. Uh, weeks? Well, you I, know, I think we're down uh, to weeks, I'm, not months. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, you know, during the COVID deal. Uh, yeah getting parts in from different distributors, uh, you know, whether it's a manufacturer, whether it's KW suspension, you know, we're waiting on the suspension right now. We got the rear end apart, everything, all the suspension apart. We're just waiting on parts. And, uh, you know, then we go on to the, to the next level, man. Mm-hmm. Everything went out for powder coat. And then I think it goes up to Dave soon. Yeah. It's going to be a beast. I mean, I think we're going to set some records with that thing. So I'm curious to see what, you know, the, the styling that you're going to put to it, Dave, because I'm still kind of in the dark with that. Yeah. I like to throw it all to you. You know, I want to see, I want to see some stuff because I'm getting really antsy about it. So, so Dave, tell us a little bit about what, uh, or what you can tell us about the plan for the charger. We've got a 1500 horsepower rear wheel drive. Dodge Charger. <laughs> that uh, that uh, uh, so so Mario is basically going to deliver the car to you mechanically done, but stock body basically still on it. Or does it even does does it even come with a front end on it at this point because he's fitted turbos and stuff, and then you got to work around it, uh, you know? Or or I don't even know if Mario's plan was to build everything with turbos and intakes and and wheel rear wheel size and make it work with the stock body or is it going to show up with no skin on it yeah definitely it, you know it has that wide body styling which is great you know i can't i don't want to share too much but a lot of carbon fiber making it lighter but also to use you know for a cool design i have a theme for the car i don't want to share quite yet depending if sema happens we might do a cool unveil there but it's going to have a great uh, presence and it's going to offer something to the public. Um, cause like Bill, you know, he's a great guy and he's a great face for Dodge. And, uh, I think a lot of people are going to use his car for inspiration to help upfit their cars in the future. And not only just in power, but in aesthetics. So it's going to have a great theme. It fits Bill's persona. And the best thing I like about Bill is he actually drives this stuff and he uses it and he abuses it. <laughs> and I like building cars for people 
that don't use it as an accessory. You know what I mean? Right. It's not, Hey, I drive this car because I have this watch and it fits me. You know, it's like, no, I want to build something for someone that's going to enjoy it. That's going to punish it. That's going to drive it. They're going to put their family in it. You know, they're going to take it to, you know, red line all the time and, you know, enjoy it. And then if there's a flaw, find out what it is, you know, so I can fix it. Or, you know, it's all about engineering, right? And yeah. every time you build something, you build the next one better. You know, there's always that regret when you build a car, like, man, if I only would have done that, you know, you made a masterpiece, but you're like, hey, let's just keep going to version 2.0 to 3.0 to do whatever. So in like Bill's charger, you know, I think we're we're reaching a new uh, height with that car. I'm pretty, I'm pretty psyched about it. The yeah. all, you know I I gotta say the the relationship and the partnership that we've had since the onset has been absolutely unbelievable. But if I can find one negative, and there is one negative to it, it's that by the time I get my cool piece done that you had done in the past, you're offering something totally cooler. <laughs> there's always something new <laughs> that, out there. That's the problem. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, there's always something new, but there's but but when Speedcore comes out with something, there's always something that pushes the boundary that's cooler than what they've done in the past, and that's light years away from everything else. Well, so, I always feel like I'm behind the eight ball, not behind the eight ball, but I always feel like I'm two steps behind. So, one of these days, one of these preeminent builds I'm going to have to step in and, and do well, listen, You're the hey, customer, you, though. You're like, we're selling crack <laughs> to a crack user. We're like, hey, Bill. <laughs> just keep coming back. You're like Dodge. Yeah, yeah, Dodge doing good. the same thing. It's, listen, it's all good. Man. You, you're, you're talking to the guy that already had his Cobra and his Lightning at SEMA just so I can bring them back and take them all apart again and start getting them ready right. for, for another <laughs> SEMA years later, right? And exactly. the, the difference between those two is – is the Cobra was I haven't even driven it since it was at SEMA and by the time it goes again it'll 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 run. But at least the lightning I was brought it there under its own power, by the way. <laughs> and oh, then and then started doing stuff to it. And so I, I'm doing mods and then driving it and doing mods and then driving it and doing mods and then driving it. And already in my head I'm thinking of suspension two, suspension three, because uh, like we were talking a minute ago before, I was like, hey, I, I did the suspension on it, and now I'm making some changes to it. But then when we do the all-aluminum engine, uh, all new spring rates and stuff, because I'm going to cut like 100 pounds off the front end. And and what if we do do something with carbon fiber hood or carbon fiber bumper and cut another 60 pounds off the front? Because that bumper is like quarter-inch steel. Like it's massive. you know. And I was like, oh, okay. So now possibly new shock tuning, new spring rates, new something. Also, coilover, you know, I'm trying to d- develop a coilover conversion in my head. So now I can get the ride height because it'll be jacked up in the air, right? Because you take 200 pounds off the front. It's going to look like I got a sandbag in the back and no engine in the front. It's going to look stupid. So I got to level it out again. So uh, the thing that you said was was be an inspiration. And that's the part that I like. That's what uh, I, I, I hopefully we've been sort of been doing here the whole time is, um, you know, we, we build these cars and it's not necessarily something that everybody likes or everybody can afford, but there are some cool elements that we want to share and somebody say, hey, I like what you're doing there. Or, you know, hey, uh, it's interesting that you went with these brakes or you fitted these brakes or this type of wheel. Like, you know, on on the Lightning, I had custom billet one-off wheels made to mimic the original Lightning wheels because I felt like, Dave, you, you know the truck, 95 Lightning, 94 Lightning. We're fans of that. Love it. The wheel itself was so iconic-looking it's what defined the Lightning from any other F-150. You don't even have to like the design of the wheel because it's not even that great. But when somebody walks by and says, oh, that's a Lightning because it's from the wheel, nobody takes a Lightning wheel and sticks it on a stock F-150 because it looks stupid. <laughs> it's a stupid-looking wheel. <laughs> what a great point you just made. You know? That was awesome. So, I love the way you set that one up. Uh, so, so I made a set. I made a... I don't know, a $6,000 set of stupid looking wheels because I want people to go by and go, oh, that's a lightning, you know, except, you know, now they're 18 inch and they're staggered and they're directional and, you know, and whatever. So, um, 
uh, so yeah, it's that inspiration, right? So, and that's why these projects evolve to the next thing, to the next thing. Um, let me uh, let me just uh, hit our friends at Geico real quick, and I want to uh, step back a little bit. You, you guys been in business for for five or so years, but um, out the gate made a big impact. Cars for Robert Downey Jr. and and and. Uh, Chris Evans, I think. Is it Evans? Chris Evans? Captain America guy, which I saw him on Jay Little's Garage. Nicest guy in the world. Does no dick about cars. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so but uh, uh, before we get into that, uh, right now, Geico is offering an extra 15% credit on car, motorcycle, and RV policies. That's 15% on top of the money Geico could already be saving you. So what are you waiting for? You might as well jump in and do this. You're going to be saving money, and you're going to be happy about that. There's never been a better time now to switch to Geico. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Just visit Geico.com to learn more. That's Geico.com. Okay, so the first thing I saw from you guys was I want to say the Robert Downey Jr. Mustang. Forgive me if I'm wrong. 69, 70, kind of a mustard color, 70. How how did that come up? Because here you guys are saying, hey, we're going to start a carbon fiber business. This is going to be our core business. Yeah, we, we we do love cars. We may dabble in building cars. And then out of the gate, you're just you're just building a car for Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, <laughs> is he it a was family a weird... member. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird, and it's um, it's just being at the right place at the right time. So we were at the Grand National Roaster Show uh, in Pomona. We had Tantrum, that was that 1650 horsepower 70 charger we did. Okay. And we had on display there, and uh, this guy comes up to me. He's like, hey, uh, my boss is thinking about starting a car collection. He's got a couple cars now. He wants to do some stuff. I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know, I'm like, well, here's my card. Give me a call if I can help. He's like, where you guys live? You know, I'm like, well, you know, we're in you know, north of Milwaukee. He's like, oh, man, that might be a killer. I'm like, well, let us know. We go to California all the time. Right. So no big deal. So, and everybody, you know, looks at Wisconsin as either the land of serial killers or beer, <laughs> you know? So we got or cheese. Cheese. Oh, cheese. Yeah, cheese. Yeah. Cheese. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we got the Making the Murderer show in Manitowoc. That's, you know, an hour north. So, um, but it didn't kill the deal because he called me up. It was really weird on a Saturday. And of all people, my wash kid answers the phone. He's like, hey, some dude's on the phone for you. He said he talked to you at the show. So I talked to him and it's his handler. And he's like, hey, I just want to let you know we had this shop. He was trying to build like three cars. And, uh, you know, he, he had some money out there and um, it doesn't look like he's able to finish them. Can you take these projects? And I said, sure. And then I'm like, well, who's it for? Who's your boss? He's like, well, I can't tell you. I'm like, that's fine. I said, what's your email? <laughs> yeah. And then he gives me the email and it's got Downey's name in it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, there you go. So, so we fly out there and uh, I look at the cars and, like all builders, no criticism. Sometimes uh, projects don't go the way you want. And, uh, you know, for this particular builder, he wasn't able to finish it. And the cars were in a million pieces. And I'm like, okay, you know, we can help you out. So um, it was great because he had that 70 boss. That was a real boss 302. Yeah, And nice. a million pieces, bare metal, every part taken off. And I'm like, uh, well, let's set up a meeting. Let's do some styling. So Sean Smith and I went over to Robert's house in Malibu. It was great. We got to sit down with him. It's like, hey, what do we want to do? And what's, you know, what do you want the car to feel like? And it was great because he was really part of the process, just like Goldberg. You know, he wants yeah. to be involved. So we we wanted to use carbon as an accent, which he, which he loved. We wanted to go with that custom color that we mixed up. Yeah. And we were back and forth and, uh, you know, kind of that buttery mustard yellow is what he wanted. And it looked really good with this interior that we used that was kind of that distressed leather and uh, had this great weave in it uh, that Gabe's Custom Upholstery provided. And we just kind of built that feeling, but it was kind of something that wasn't so modern where it just looked like some resto mod that someone put a bunch of Asian parts on it. It looked like something like, you know, that could still be 1970, but vintage that still has that look that's going to be timeless. You know, the last thing you want to do is build something where it's cool for two years. And then you're like, Oh my God, is that thing ugly? Like, why did you do orange, you know, or something like right, that? Right. And one wants that color. So this is something timeless HRE machined. 
kind of this mini light looking wheel, which yeah, looked phenomenal. Yeah. And uh, it was great. You know, Robert drove it. Uh, we debuted at SEMA and um, that really helped us uh, on two levels. It pushed us from a styling perspective, but it pushed us to be innovative because we were making carbon fiber inner fenders. We were doing the, fen- the fenders, the, hair, the whole front end and all these parts. And uh, by the way, I don't know if you knew this, you can chrome carbon fiber. So when you make a carbon fiber bumper and you make it perfect, you can just send it out and get it chromed and you can use all the finishes like a brush nickel or whatever yeah. you want. So now that opens up your palette, you know, that you want to use on design of the car and still making it lightweight. So, uh, so we did that with Robert with the Mustang and then uh, the Camaro we had was a 67 and that one was also a mess. Um, and we basically started from scratch, did the LS, did the Whipple, used Detroit Speed Suspension, did this really wicked color on the exterior that looked kind of like an army men green. Um, and he's like, I, I just finished doing, I think it was the second Avengers movie with right. Chris Evans. He's like, I want to gift this car to him. And uh, he's just a great guy. And uh, so we kind of put that theme around it. And then by the time they were done doing the third Avengers movie, um, Robert had it delivered to Atlanta where they were filming. And he said, he brought Chris out in the parking lot. And he's like, hey, if you could have any car here, what would it be? And Chris is like, what? And he's like, you heard me. And he's like, all right, I know I'm getting set up for something. And ended up <laughs> gifting him that 67 Camaro. And it was great. And like you said, they did Leno show with it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, Chris is younger than both of us. And uh, he may not have been as much of a muscle car guy, but now he's like a major addict. Right. Yeah. So you start doing burnouts and you, you know, you're putting 700 some horsepower out on that LS3 with a Whipple. And you know what I mean? I mean, it's just fun. And uh, I think it's great because people can get into it at any time, enjoy it. And it's all about the craft and it's about the hobby. And to be honest, that's kind of something that bonds all of us crazy people together. I mean, how else is some little dude like me from Milwaukee going to be Goldberg in Texas? You know what I mean? And then hook up with somebody else. And we did the cannonball together and we're with these other people and there's you know, this car bond, you know, just really ties everybody together on an equal plane because it's all about the hobby. I mean, you agree, Bill? It's pretty amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, the bond brings us together. But then you have to consider that your uniqueness as, from Speedcore, your uniqueness and craftsmanship and your ability, I think, to bring the European fine craftsmanship to an American muscle car via carbon fiber and the the detail and the minimalist detail that you use but the highest quality of craftsmanship and the coolness factor is what sets you guys apart so if you put all that together that's not only the reason why i have everything to do with you because that's what i search for in in the muscle car world that i live in but but who wouldn't number one and number two who else out there offers that if you ask me it's nobody so um, you guys, what you do is unparalleled out in the market, and I want to continue to follow what you do because it's the, it, it, you know, it, it's always every you. Even though you and I are very close, I don't know half of the stuff you're doing. So it's still extremely satisfying to see as a consumer the new stuff that you guys are into because it excites me as that car guy even though it's not all for dogs. Right. <laughs> uh, it's as, as car guys, our stories are always often the same and that, you know, we grew up around it. It was a dad or a brother or somebody like you kind of grew up around cars and you learn to sort of appreciate them and, and something strikes a chord with you as a kid, you know, maybe you're 11, maybe you're 14 or whatever. And, and that's sort of the car guy story for so many people. And your Chris Evans story is interesting <laughs> to me because Chris Evans is, I don't know, 30 something, right? 36, 38. And it wasn't until he saw the cars you guys built and his conversations with, with, Robert Downey Jr. and getting the car, did he start to go, I I actually I was missing something along the lines. I do realize now how car how cool a car can become. Uh 
and and now he like you said he's trying to learn more and get more into it and i i kind of like that it is so difficult today to listen it's hard enough it is to turn youngsters into car guys and car girls but to do somebody to do it with somebody who's i don't know 38 years old <laughs> seems <laughs> seems uh like an impressive feat and it really kind of speaks to uh uh, you know what you guys are doing there, and then the passion behind it, right? You, you guys got Robert Downey Jr. to fall in love with the car that you built for him so much so that he's like, "I need to start giving these things away." <laughs> Which, by the way, that's a hell of a gift to get. <laughs> it's a hell of a gift to get. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about the uh, classic recreation stuff that you're doing, but um, let's talk. A, a, we we can't have you here and not talk a little bit about the. This the the Kevin Hart relationship as well. Since we're, uh, I know you guys went out to Bondurant. You guys had a fun time. He posted a few videos. Everybody posted a few videos. I don't know if there was like a whole actual video released about it yet. But you guys went and had a great time going there. I didn't. I didn't even know that it was public knowledge. But that's cool. Here we go. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so there's been some things that. Yeah. There's been some things. I don't know if it was Ralph Jill's or Kevin Hart or or whatever. Like they look. They're there. They're going to post if they want to post or not. I guess right. Like everybody does. Um, so so we know what was going on there a little bit. Uh, hopefully there's going to be more coming from Get it. Get ready we, for some videos. Yeah. <laughs> now the cat's out of the bag. And yeah. I'm going to start. Yeah, um, you're going to load these up. <laughs> you guys uh, built a car, not for Kevin. He, he saw one of your cars and then bought it. And then you guys started a relationship after that. And then there's the crazy accident. And unfortunately, some people got hurt and a car got hurt. But anytime shit like that happens, there's always like the TMZ version and then somebody's getting sued and. And who gets sued? It's it's whoever's got money, right? Like nobody sues for no money, right? Like it's always about who's who's got who's got the most money, right? Um, Yeah. So So Kevin's great. He's like he is a car guy, and he's a lot like Goldberg too, because he's in. You know, it's about power and muscle and the car, you know, and the craft. And uh, it was great because when he initially got the seventy Cuda. Uh, that was his birthday present to himself. He was turned 40. He's mm-hmm. like, man, I just want to have an off the hook car. And, you know, I just want something that I'm going to enjoy. And uh, so basically, you know, it was unfortunate to see that car damaged and, you know, wrecked. And, uh, but, you know, cause it was like our baby, you know what I mean? It was like, you know, it was something that was really special to us. So the best part was, you know, TMZ did all this crazy stuff and there never was any lawsuit, you know, that's just, clickbait you know what yeah. i mean and yeah, yeah. kevin and speedcore and i and jim you know we're all friends and uh i mean we're doing three more projects for him right now mm-hmm. and uh it's great because you know he loves it and he's part of it too and we're doing a 70 charger for him right now with a new elephant motor oh yeah nice. so, uh, thousand horsepower three liter you know supercharger on it we're on an hp 90 uh eight speed transmission uh, we're the only ones right now that actually get the eight speed to talk to the module. So most people are running manuals in the elephant. So we were by Gabe's custom upholstery two weeks ago. Um, and, uh, we were there with Kevin did a fitting, you know, he sat in the seat. We got this billet steering wheel that's custom for him and make sure the pedals, you know, cause Kevin and I are like the same height, you know, we're short. So <laughs> I'm with great. you, buddy. I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> Bill knows it too. I'm with you. <laughs> Yeah. So it was great. You know, we did the fitting. He's totally jazzed about it. The car <laughs> runs. They're doing the interior. And uh, I mean, he can't wait to get it. So what a great guy. He's got a great collection. He's starting. He's got some European stuff, but, he, you know, he's got a GT500 Mustang as well. Yeah. Um, he's got a Camaro that he's having upfit right now, too. Gabe's is doing the upholstery to that. So he's he's in he's it. Fixing right the brakes. Active, right. So yeah, yeah. fixing the brakes on that car. Yeah, I think they are actually. So <laughs> that's first. That's first. Yeah, but we're at a great guy, and then we are building another seventy Cuda for Kevin, and that's going to have a Demon engine in it, 
and uh, it's called Resurrection, right? So Menace was his first CUDA, yeah, and Resurrection is the second one. And yeah. this one is going to be appropriately amazing. named. Very good. You're right. And <laughs> Kevin's totally jazzed about it. He's excited, and uh, just to kind of share, you know, your sentiment. Uh, going to Bondurant was great. Yeah. You know, him and his whole team are out there driving, and Bill was out there, and I was out there, and some other people, and we were tearing it up, and you know, safety first, right? You know, it's, I hate to use the analogy, but cars are like knives, right? If they're used properly, it's a great tool. Improperly, you're going to cut yourself. It's like anything else. You know it, what I mean? it's, a, it's a great analogy. I was going to say, you can do everything you can in your shop to make a car safe, but the best thing you can do is educate the driver, right? Now, Ooh. shit well, happens yeah, and, and somebody and, hits and, you and, or whatever, but if every driver was more educated and less distracted, we, you know, we, we'd all be safer, but you do what you can. And us, us getting together at Bondurant was a great deal. Giles was out there. We had a, a, a cornucopia of, of, uh, of people out there. There's no doubt. It was a great time. But at, in the end, it was for safety. It was so we could all get seat time in the proper setting with someone else's vehicle and yeah. take it to the limit and, and know, know <laughs> the ability that we have in that vehicle. So you, cause you don't know it until you test it. So it was all about safety, even though we had a great time. Yeah. yeah. I, it, it, it's something that we've, we've been, uh, uh, something we spoke about and promoted quite a, a lot over here is anybody getting their license for the first time should absolutely go and try to get an opportunity to do some sort of good driving school, even like the half a half day beginner event that, at at Bondurant or a Skip Barber or something like that. And certainly, even if you think you're a great driver and you're in your 40s or whatever, still go do it. Go do those courses. Everybody should at least take a course that says keep out of the left-hand lane if you're going 43 miles an hour. Yeah, right. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> On the way here, that was kind of my thing. Please. Um, yeah. we, uh, we talked a few weeks ago about uh, classic recreations. Um, we, we love what those guys are doing with with their Mustangs. I There was a lot of guys, like after the Gone in 60 Seconds movie came out, the Nicolas Cage movie, everybody jumped out there with all these crazy sort of Eleanor knockoffs and stuff. And it took a little while for us to kind of come down to something that was good. And I think classic recreations are the guys that are doing it, right? And it's not really an Eleanor car. It's their idea of it. But they've been doing enough of these and – uh, they're starting to they're they're seeing success with their builds and their sales for the same reason you guys do. A customer comes in and it's like, yeah, I've looked at a few of these already, and yours is built correctly and it looks the best. And you guys are sitting down with them and making a a very compelling and passionate argument about what you're doing and how you're doing it. Um, and it's uh, and it's it's more than just going to a shop and building a car. So uh, we like those guys a lot. I've interviewed them many, many times at SEMA and, and various places over the years. Always have a good time with them. So now we've got this partnership between Classic Recreations and Speedcore. And you were talking about evolution, Bill. You go and you say, hey, hey, for 200 grand, you can get the coolest 67 Mustang or even 65 Mustang from those guys. And as soon as you get it, because there's probably a two or three year waiting list, then you realize, oh, well, Dave just built a carbon fiber version for them. So now you've got you to go get another one, right? So you guys are starting a partnership with them on 67 Mustangs, and you're doing a carbon fiber bodied version of that. Tell me about that and how that's going to work. Because, first of all, these are unibody cars. Are you going to skin the outside of the unibody cars? Or are they going to build full frame cars? How's that going to work? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. We're past the development stage now and we're doing fitting. So, uh, those guys are great. I love their styling and uh, they just have a great model. So for us, uh, they send us a body already, a unibody, as you know, mm-hmm. and they have some supports in there that they use, you know, because they're supercharging everything and, um, you know, using a, whatever four link in the back and everything. And basically what we're doing is we're making full quarter sections. So the uh, metal quarter panels that are on it um, from the taillight extension all the way up to the A-pillar is completely removed. The roof is removed. It's just a skeleton. So we've uh, machined up full molds. You know, I think it's like 12 to 13 feet long uh, laying up the carbon. And we're making it extremely strong uh, with the amount of layers. 
And what we do is use a structural adhesive to bond all of that to the factory pinch welds. So in the past, what Mustang builders that use flares did mm-hmm. is it was a rotted out car, right? They're going to put a new quarter panel on it, and then they're going to take the flare, and then they're going to bond the flare to there. Yeah. And they're going to use unlike materials. So they're going to use maybe it's fiberglass or uh, duraglass or bondo or you know urethane. And then you have these different expansion contraction rates, and then you're going to have ghost lines from the flare to the body, and mm-hmm. then they're going to you know, do this hodgepodge all together. So what's great about this styling is everything works together, and it all fits every time because the molds never change. So you put the roof on, you put the quarters on, tail panel, quarter extensions, door skins, fenders, hood, everything. Every time is perfect. Now it gives a, this company a great advantage above everybody else because they're putting parts on that fit every time. And you have a fixture. Car goes on the fixture. It's got all these little uh, poles that go into the frame rail. The car is perfectly leveled. Everything is bonded on structurally. And by the way, you know, the structural adhesive is already proven to be stronger than welding it. So now yeah. you have something carbon that's stronger than steel, if you want it to be, depending on how many layers it is. And then you have this great bonding support all the way around. And then you have no body work, right? You can just sand it for paint or you sand it for clear and you're done. I mean, think how many gallons of Bondo people have put over the years on a car. You know what I mean? So now oh, you've eliminated all these body guys, all these aftermarket kits that don't fit all these other people that are, you know, bonding stuff on with unequal expansion contraction rates. And now you just have a car that's above everything else that's lighter. And by the way, everything fits. And then, oh, whoops, I hit whatever guardrail. I need a new hood and a fender. Cool. It's, it's going to fit the same way. Order it up. Here you go. Put it on. Done. It's, so it's, it, The fitment is the big thing because it almost sounds like Doing the entire car as much as you can in carbon fiber is easier than doing individual pieces because nothing no fits on the old car. Exactly. If, if you made a carbon fiber fender or door, it's never going to fit on every Mustang, right? You, chances are no it won't what. fit on any of them because there's so much, so much. Uh, uh, Tolerances are so you always different got a subpar then. product. Yeah. You're never going to yeah. get gaps and things like that, right? But if you do everything in carbon fiber and underneath is sort of the internal skin of the unibody, then you just need to glue your pieces on and, and, and align it, right? And then you're right. If you need a fender, you take it off, you put one on because that's it's exactly where it needs to be because you've made the pieces fit. But if you try to make like I said, a, a, a carbon fiber front fender for a 67 Mustang, but you were going to put it on a car that was steel with a steel hood. It's no way those gaps are going to be right. It's just, never. It, it's never going to, it's never going to be right. And then what, then you're like, okay, so now we start modifying the metal or we start modifying the carbon fiber. Like, how are we going to get it to work? And you're like, just do the whole car in carbon fiber. That's the only way it's going to line up. <laughs> uh, yeah. You'll pay for the difference in materials and labor in like no time. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. look up, force you need you know yeah so um but i think it's going to be it's a great yeah. relationship you know i think they're selling a lot of them there's a ton of inquiries and it's just a better product so and the other thing that's great is you know we have a great team and i just want to give credit where the credit is due you know we have a great cad guy lyle we have great artisans in the carbon department you know kurt luke neil Corey, sean all those guys i mean it's like it takes a village you know what i mean Right. And you can't come out and say, oh, we have the best shop. It's like, no, you just kind of have the best people working at that shop. You know what I mean? And it really goes to the hard workers in the metal shop and the paint shop and everybody. So it, it takes a village and that vis- you know village can grow and shrink, but it's all made up of people and artisans, you know, coming together on the craft, you know, with a great mission, you know, whatever that's going to be. Speed, power, you know, aesthetics, design, whatever. And I don't know what it's like in Wisconsin right now, but, you know, hats off to all your people that are still working. Yeah. I mean, you know, among the pandemic, we've still been going strong. So it's nice. Everybody's taking those, uh, 
PPP checks and buying stuff. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Unbelievable. are buying carbon fiber parts. Uh, right. Let me uh, let me give another shout out to our friends at at Dodge. Summertime is the best time to join the Brotherhood of Muscle because Dodge Power Dollars means you get a guaranteed discount. The math is simple: you get ten dollars off based on the total horsepower of your new Dodge vehicle. So every twenty twenty Challenger, every twenty twenty Durango, every twenty twenty Dodge Charger, you'll get a discount. So you get the most out of your horsepower this summer. So for ten dollars off for each horsepower, that means you can go and enjoy the sweet sounds of a Dodge Charger SRT Scat Pack, 485 horsepower, and you get $4,850 off. It's a great deal. And this summer, Power Dollars is back on the Dodge Durango. So no matter where the summer takes you, the Dodge Durango is here to make every trip this season a breeze. So get more power, get more off. It's that simple. Hurry into your local Dodge dealer now to take advantage of Dodge Power Dollars or... If you can't go outside because you're a governor or you're a mayor or, or you just don't want to, you can call them. You can call them. They'll bring the car to you. They'll make it super easy. All right. Before we wrap up, I just want to uh, – uh, all this all this hot Dodge talk. I've got to bring up these, uh, this Mustang that I love that you guys built. You built – uh, I guess it's a 2018. You built it in 17. Debuted at the SEMA show. You built a Mustang convertible, um, one of the first with the 10-speed automatic transmission. And uh, you guys did – I'm not even a big convertible guy, but you guys did like all of the tasteful things that I think we love. You work with the partners that we love. You did the HRE wheels. You did a Rouse supercharger on it. And, and – and uh, some carbon fiber bits, not a full flare. I think you just did sort of the trim pieces and stuff in carbon fiber. Uh, but tell me about the paint and the interior because you guys nail it on that as well. Yeah, the focus on that car was to accentuate the interior being a convertible because I think if we look at muscle cars today and in the past, the interiors were always a little more subpar, right? right. And it was like, hey, let's make this thing very tasteful. You know, it's already a, a beautiful car and the lines are great and the stance is, you know, great and the color works. But now we worked with Gabe's upholstery and Sean Smith and we came up with this great design to use kind of this aged leather again with this French stitch. And it was like a bomber brown and we used a coffee leather as well. So you have that kind of two-tone contrast and we had some carbon fiber on the dash, which, you know, uh, made it look a little bit more classy. So we want to have that European look in it, you know, to complement the outside and the speed flares and, uh, of course, the HRE wheels, like you mentioned. But it was a great car. You know, Roush provided the supercharger. Ford provided the car. The launch at SEMA was great. But we took everything that was beautiful about the car, even in the 60s, and just tried to apply that to today. So, you know, looking at the roll tube or whatever you want to call it around the tonneau, you know, that was inspiration from the 68 GT500KR and having the carbon fiber tonneau over the top. So when the top was down, it just didn't look like material, you know, bulging. Right, yeah. It was tasteful. So, I mean, it was a great car. We uh, kind of came up with a really beautiful looking kind of graphite, but it had a really warm effect to the paint. And uh, I mean, the car worked. It was great. So um, love to see you driving it. And uh, by the way, Brembo, that was the first relationship we had mm-hmm. at Brembo. And I got to tell you, those guys did a great job. When they send you something, I mean, it's not like getting a brake kit. Right. It's like, you know, getting, you know, the Ark of the Covenant and oh, yeah. <laughs> open it up. And it's yeah. like, oh, oh, look, this is amazing the way they package all this stuff. So it was great. And, uh, yeah, I'd like to see you in that car one day. Yeah. Well, that's what we're, we're going to be talking about. I mean, uh, uh, I, th- I think I'm going to buy that car. <laughs> Yeah, Uh, You guys don't need it anymore, and I feel like I need it for some odd reason, and uh, for the same reason Bill needs all of his cars, and and, uh, by the way, Bill just got a Zebra, so I don't know who needs a Zebra, but it's not about need. I didn't, I didn't, no, 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 (laughs) I didn't get the Zebra, my wife got the Zebra. (laughs) Um, But that just means I can get another car. Just get another car, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, guys, thank you so much uh, uh, for listening. Um, uh, check out Speed Core. 
Uh, check him out on Instagram. It's SpeedCore. It's S P E E D K O R E zero one is their Instagram. So it's SpeedCore with a K. Um, and uh, and follow Dave Salvaggio. Uh, Dave is on Instagram. He's Dave dot Salvaggio. It's D A V E period S A L V a g g i o follow dave salvaggio over there as well and i'm sure if you follow speedcore you'll end up finding a link to him at some point as well um dave thank you so much and uh, uh we filled a, a great amount of time and it still doesn't feel like uh, enough uh w- with you so um we will uh we'll We'll be excited about checking in with you again soon. Um, I think we'll get an update. I think when uh, when you get Bill's car and as you're getting into it, or maybe when it's done, let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, what it does and have you back on the show. I'm excited about that. I know Bill's excited about that. Um, I, I'm sure uh, the people listening are excited because we don't talk enough about Dodge stuff on this show. So. <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, guys, thank you so much, and uh, until uh, until next week, uh, keep the air and the spare in the bag and the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Carcast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarcastShow.com, and don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. Carcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit carcastshow.com. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. Uh, Right now, Geico is offering an extra 15% credit on car, motorcycle, and RV policies. And that's 15% on top of the money Geico could already be saving you. So what are you waiting for? Just go to geico.com and save 15% when you switch by October 7th. Visit geico.com to learn more. That's geico.com.